Let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserved. But this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. How many of y'all are glad to be in the service one more time? Beloved, it is homecoming Sunday. It's homecoming Sunday. Y'all see the hymn choir in the stand. What a joy it is to have them back. Amen. And we're certainly looking forward to the Lord doing something incredible as far as this time is concerned. So good morning to those who are watching us on Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, and are engaging in our live chat room. Welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So we want to share this experience with others. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline, tag those you want to invite within the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel and text the link to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, Click on the invite button in the chat window to share this experience with others. And also, if you're watching us on our various platforms, if you would, just let us know where you're watching us from. We want to give you a shout out on our virtual space. Amen. Amen. Reverend Brenda Richardson is going to come with a call to worship. And let's give God praise for her as she comes to get us started as far as our worship experience is concerned. Good morning, St. Paul. Good morning, everybody. Why don't you stand to your feet and worship, and let's prepare to worship a good and awesome God. Because if you don't have any reason to worship him this morning, let me give you a few. He woke you up this morning. He gave you a reasonable 
I said a reasonable portion of health and strength. He kept your mind all night. As the old folks say, of which I am one, your bed wasn't your cooling mode. So this, let's go ahead and celebrate an awesome, awesome God this morning. He is worthy, even, in your, even with your mask on, for your best praise. Can you put your hands together and praise the Lord this morning? Come on, come on. God is worthy. We serve a worthy, worthy God. Yeah, we serve a worthy, worthy God. Remain standing as the choir leads us in all hell, the power of Jesus' name. scripture reading this morning can be found in Psalm 81. I will be reading verse 1 and then dropping down to verse 10 through 16. Psalm chapter 1, chapter 81, verse 1. Sing aloud to God of our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. 
I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart, to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would not, would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. God's word for God's people, let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. It is hallowed, it is set aside. God, you are an awesome, magnificent God. And God, we come now just to worship your holy and righteous name. God, I pray that everything that we do is done in honor of you. God, because we have an audience of one. We love you, God. Holy Spirit, come now. Saturate us from the top to the bottom. God, I pray right now that you would saturate those that are listening on Vimeo, that are listening on Facebook, that are on YouTube, that are listening by phone. God, we want to just concentrate everything that we're doing to you. Let us not be distracted by any of the causes of the day, but let us honor and glorify your name. This name is set aside for you, Lord. And God, I hope at the end of the day, you understand that we love you, that we honor you. You are first in our lives, God. We love you. And God, we thank you for bringing us to another homecoming, to another revival. We praise your name for that, and we give you glory and honor. It is in your name we do pray. Can everybody join me in an amen? Amen? Amen. You may have your seats.
It's a relationship. That even though I'm going through, yay, though I walk through, through the valley. Yeah, I, I, no, no, notice I'm, I'm walking through it. I ain't, I ain't moved in no furniture in the valley. Yeah, I ain't moved into the valley. I'm passing through it. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I'm not by myself. The Lord is with me. I rod and I staff. They comfort me. Why is that? Because the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not want. I know another tree just like that one. This tree was on a hill far away. And on it stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross. Where the dearest and best for the world of lost sinners was slain. So I'm going to cherish that old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay. So when I come out, see, come forth has to do with shining. He said, when I come forth, I'm going to be shining in a way that I've never shown before. Because what I've been through has not been wasted. That when I come out of this, I got to come out of this different than how I went in. Every church ought to come out of this pandemic different than it went in. Every ministry ought to come out different than it went in. Families ought to come out different than we went in. Individuals, you ought to come out, brothers, sisters, no way to go through all of this and waste it. That I'm looking to come out in a different way. I shall come forth. On Sunday, August 28th, we will have our annual homecoming worship service. And I want to welcome back to St. Paul, my dear friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Freddie James Clark, the senior pastor of the Shalom Church City of Peace in Florissant, Missouri. We're asking those who can to join us in a homecoming assessment of $100. And guess what, you all? Got a major surprise for you. Our hymn choir is going to sing on that Sunday. So we want to invite you to come, bring family and friends, and we're going to have a wonderful time. Then starting on that Monday through Wednesday, August 29th, 30th, and 31st, we will have our church revival. And our guest preachers will be some of the most gifted preachers in this country, the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis, senior pastor of the Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the Reverend Dr. Jerry Carter, Jr., the senior pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church in Morristown, New Jersey. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. Oh, we could do a whole lot better than that. I believe a great God deserves a great praise. And can we celebrate our brothers that are blessing us with the gift of song this morning? Let's give God praise for our male chorus ensemble. Good morning, disciples of St. Paul. And good morning to those who are visiting with us. We greet you in the name that ultimately matters. That's the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we had to call an audible on today's service. And so my good friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Freddie James Clark, was not able to come because of a family emergency. And we want to keep him lifted up in prayer. But I want you all to know we have a gifted preacher in the house in the person of my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. William H. Curtis. Let's give God praise for him. And of course, he's no stranger here. This is the first time, though, he will preach to us on a Sunday morning. 
and he'll get the full vim and vigor, the full flavor of the St. Paul experience. And so we welcome him back to our pulpit and I'll introduce him at a later moment. Just want to um, share a couple of observations with you. Uh, I want to ask Reverend Brenda Richardson, uh, Minister Joshua Jordan, and Reverend James Burton, would you all stand? Would you all stand? I know you're in the house. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Amen. And all of those that volunteered for our St. Paul Summer Jam on yesterday, would you stand? All of those that volunteered, would you stand? Can we give them a round of applause? Yesterday was just absolutely incredible as far as sharing with the community, uh, school giveaway, as well as food and fun as far as uh, our space is concerned. And so I want to thank you for your hard work and for your diligence on yesterday. Thank you all so very, very much. Uh, just want to remind you all that we will not have our prayer call on this Wednesday by virtue of the fact that we will be in uh, revival on Wednesday night. We will resume the following Wednesday. And, of course, we will be resuming Bible study in uh, September, and we'll let you know when that will be taking place um, real soon. Just also want to put on your mind that as we move forward, as far as the worship experience is concerned, that we have our men's day that will be taking place on next month. Uh, the men of valor are preparing to celebrate men's weekend, September the 24th and 25th. Going to have a prayer breakfast in a park on Saturday and then on Sunday. The men are going to lead us in worship. Our guest preacher is going to be the Reverend Dr. Harold A. Carter Jr., who is uh, who's the pastor in Baltimore, Maryland, at the New Shallow Baptist Church. And more information will be forthcoming as far as that's concerned. Let me just strongly encourage you uh, as we uh, prepare to transition into prayer that, of course, we're still dealing with COVID. Amen. And um, while, you know, other places are doing their thing, we want to do everything we can to keep you as safe and as secure as possible in this space known as St. Paul. So I want to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir, if you're sick, if you're sick, stay home, check us out online. I want to encourage you, if you're not vaccinated, please get vaccinated and get boosted. While the vaccination may not uh, prevent you from getting COVID, I believe I got a few folks in the house that would testify it will keep COVID from taking you out. Am I telling the truth? So we want you to please, ma'am, please, sir, be mindful of that. Um, um, Get vaccinated. Uh, get boosted because we want to see you as safe and as secure as possible. Amen. Amen. Um, as we get ready to transition into prayer uh, at this particular time, we have several uh, prayer concerns that we want to bring before you. The family of Brother Ernest McRae, the father of disciple Devon Franklin um, and uh, Ivy Franklin, those services are pending. Uh, we also want to lift up the family of Brother Perry Goodine, the father of Sister Sharif Goodine. His services were on Thursday in Seneca, South Carolina. And thank you, Dr. Redmond, for going down and for sharing with that family the message of the day. The family of Brother Jameer Rux, the grandson of Disciple Arthur Rux and Disciple Shirley Richardson. His services were held Tuesday at First Baptist Indian Trail. And I want to thank Reverend Bernie for giving lift to that family as far as sharing a word with them. The family of Brother Aunt Laton 
uh, Stevenson. We continue to lift that family up in prayer. Sister uh, Leela Stevenson, uh, the son, that was her son. We continue to lift her up in prayer. Several prayer concerns we also want to bring before you for those that are hospitalized, dealing with special illness, having surgery. We continue to lift up Deacon Tina Ross. Uh, the Lord is a healer, Deacon Ross, and we know he is a keeper. Amen. We continue to lift up our pastor emeritus, Reverend Dr. Paul Drummond, his wife, uh, Lady Thomasina, as well as Gwendolyn Caldwell, Virginia Lloyd, Elizabeth Summers, uh, Jacqueline Weldon, uh, and there'll be other names that'll be scrolling up and down the list. And so we're going to ask that if you would be mindful of individual as well as communal prayers um, that we bring before you. And so at this time, I'm going to ask that Reverend Richardson, would you come and take us to the throne of grace? Let us pray about it. Father God, we come to you, Lord. You are awesome. You are a magnificent God. God, we understand that we haven't gotten everything right. But God, right now we pray that you will forgive us of all sin, of omission and commission. Anything that would keep us from being close to you. God, we thank you now for everything that you've done, everything that you've given. God, everything that you have provided because you are our provider. So, God, now we come to you with our supplication and our prayers. God, we have some folks that we're concerned about. So, God, right now we pray that you would just bless them even the more. God, everyone that has gone through grief, God, we pray that you would have them to know that that only endures for a moment. And then joy comes in the morning. And we thank you for all that are giving them lift, that are giving them encouragement, God. We pray that you will surround them, surround them with angels that will speak sweetly to them, that will give them everything that they need to make it through this time. I pray right now that you will give them some empathetic people that have been through what they're going through, that can walk with them, God, in a mighty, mighty way. God, we thank you now for everything that you're doing, God, and we pray right now that you go into to the hospital rooms and God I pray right now that everyone that will that is in the hospital that you would send angels God that you would send people that care about them not just about a job but they care about the people that they're caring for I pray that you would anoint each hand each doctor each CNA each RN God that they would give our, our members the best the best care that they can give them. God, we pray for our, 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 all those that are at home sick. We pray for Dr. Drummond. God, we pray for him and his wife. We pray that you would just bless them and continue to heal them, God. We pray for Deacon Tina, God. We know that you can heal. Your word says that you can. So we're expecting, God, for you just to do no more than what your word says. Because your word says that you will do it. All we have to do is ask. And we come humbly asking you for all blessings, all healing. It is in your mighty name of Jesus that we do pray. And we call it done already. I said, church, we call it done already. Already. Today. Right now, we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe the Lord is answering that prayer, can you give God the praise that so richly and rightfully deserved? Oh, we could do a whole lot better than that. If you believe that God is hearing and answering that prayer, go ahead and celebrate and give God praise in advance. Amen, 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 amen. It is offering time. Um, ushers, if you would, start seating folks on the outer, on the outer edges. Amen. Um, I think we're, we're good right now. 
in the center place. You can start seating them on the outer edges. Let me, if I could, I believe we have a video for the Charlotte Rescue Mission. If we could, let's come with that and then I'll come with our offertory appeal. Well, it is offering time. And before we get ready to raise the offering as far as our work and witness and worship here at St. Paul, uh, I've asked you to help us raise $50,000 as far as the Charlotte Rescue Mission is concerned. They are building a new facility. We're considered to be one of their partners as far as that's concerned. I want you to check out this video, Miracle on Cedar Street, and see why we're doing what we're doing as far as a sense of home mission is concerned. And please, when the offering comes, give from the bottom of your heart, liberally and generously, to help us make this a working reality for Charlotte Rescue Mission. When you walk into the Charlotte Rescue Mission Rebound Men's Program, it's a 92-year-old building. Screams 92 years old. And it contradicts the message of the ministry. We say that God loves you and has an incredible plan for your life. But we're housing men, we're putting them through counseling programs in a building that's less than that. And it contradicts everything that we're saying. The heartbeat of Charlotte Rescue Mission is transformation. One word, that's it. We focus on individuals struggling with addiction and uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, free, Christian residential recovery services for a population that could never afford it on the open market, but it's made possible through the generosity of our donors. The physical facilities are basically antiquated, out of date, but we have been, as an organization, ingenious enough to try to make it work. But there are things that cause us to say, well, if we thought really much of the folks that we're trying to serve, we'd put them in a more dignified environment. We shouldn't have uh, facilities that are not accessible to those who can't climb a couple of flights of stairs. By building a new building, it sends a message that we care about the people we get, even from the first day they walk in. Listen, St. Paul, we have already raised $23,500 toward this cause. So we're about 26 and some change away from it. We can make this a working reality. They've already listed us as one of their giving partners in this endeavor. It's a $25 million project. We're only contributing 50,000. And I know somebody say only, when you look at the scheme of 25 million, 50,000 may not seem like much, but what we're doing, we're doing the very best we can. And so I wanna encourage you to join us in this home mission endeavor. Um, I would love for us to be able to cut a check as soon as possible to uh, the Charlotte Rescue Mission uh, as far as this endeavor is concerned. And so I have promised to give uh, $1,000 and I committed peer to 1,000 as well. And so I think I already have given mine and um, we're well on our way. So I want you to join us. Also, I want to remind you that those who can, we want you to join us in Above Your Tides to give $100 for homecoming assessment. 
Uh, this is you sowing seed in great ground. Amen. Amen. Let me try that again. This is you sowing seed in great ground. Amen. 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 So, um, there are several ways you can give here at St. Paul Church. First one is by, of course, um, mailing cash or check to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte 28205, or dropping off your check, cash, or money order at the church. Call the church office first at 704-334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering and it will be placed in the safe and counted on the following Sunday. The other way you can give is through our website, through ACS or Church Life. You can also give through the app called Givelify. You can give through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app from your app store. Uh, and in three clicks, connect it to your favorite credit card. And you can give in three clicks as far as that's concerned. And then if you have a physical offering, if you have a physical offering in the church, um, there is a basket on the outer edges. And at the appropriate time, we will ask you to take that basket, pass it down. Our account team will receive it. So however you're going to give, whether you're giving digitally or if you have already mailed your funds in or if you are giving a physical offering, place it in your right hand, lift to the heaven. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for the wonderful opportunity to partner with you through the act of generosity, through giving. And we demonstrate gratitude right now because you have blessed us in a tremendous way. So Lord, if you would take these gifts of ours as we sow into the work here at St. Paul Church, as we are a blessing to the Charlotte Rescue Mission, as well as various ministries and missions across this globe, uh, take our little and do much. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And in his name, we claim it done. Amen. If you are on the edge, on the outer edge, if you would look beside your seat, there's a basket. If you would take that basket, pass it down for those that want to place their offering in it. And uh, we greatly, greatly thank you for your kindness and your generosity. Let's give God praise for the wonderful opportunity to partner with God in giving. Amen. I want to, uh, at this particular time, um, present to some and, and introduce to others. Well, present to most of us and introduce to a few uh, our guest preacher for today. But before I do that, uh, I asked a friend of mine to come in and um, uh, give me a little, uh, a little something different as far as that's today's uh, music is concerned. And that is my friend from St. Louis, Brother Mark Johnson. He plays for his brother at Friendly Temple uh, Baptist Church, one of the, if not the largest black Baptist churches in St. Louis, his brother, Bishop Michael Jones. Stand up, Mark. Amen. He's given us some um, uh, a different sound this morning as far as our music. Thank you for joining us. He's going to be with us doing the revival as well. Uh, gifted musician uh, as far as that's concerned. And we're glad to have the hymn choir in the stand. Amen. <laughs> Certainly glad. We've been missing y'all. It's been two years for a long time. And we're looking for the Lord to uh, give you all the sustenance that you need to provide us uh, lift this morning. Um, as I shared earlier, uh, my friend and brother, the Reverend Dr. Freddie Clark, was unable to come because of a family emergency. And because of that family emergency, um, we had to make a shift, a pivot. And um, I was talking with my friend uh, and my brother, one of my best and dearest friends, Dr. William H. Curtis, who has shared with us in revival uh, on several, uh, well, really been doing revival since I've been here. 
He is a preacher par excellence. Uh, the pastor of the Mount Area Baptist Church uh, just celebrated 25 years of pastoral ministry. Let's give God praise for that. And I could list uh, all many of his accomplishments. Um, but one thing I will say that he is a preacher sent from God. He is a pastor that has shepherded the Mount Ararat Baptist Church to a place of national prominence uh, whereby they continue to do great and incredible things for the kingdom of God. He's my fraternity brother, member of the greatest fraternity of all, the Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Yes, I got the mic, I say that. Amen. As, um, as well as just a friend for over, gosh, 27, 28 years now. And so uh, he's going to come and he's going to share with us during this preaching moment as well as in revival. So pray for him and with him that the Lord will use him in a mighty and an incredible way. So if you will put your hands together as Dr. William Curtis will come and share with us after the men blesses us with song and after the hymn choir uh, give us uh, the sermonic selection.
preparational hymn this morning, M559, suited to long meter. Go preach my gospel, said the Lord. Bid the whole earth my grace receive. He shall be saved that trusts my word, and he'll condemn who will not believe. I'll make your great commission known, and ye shall prove my gospel true. By all the works that I have done, by all the wonders ye shall do. Teach all the nations my command. I'm with you till the world shall end. All power is trusted in my hands. I can destroy and I defend. M559, long meter, sing as we line. Go preach my gospel, said the Lord. Bid the whole earth my grace receive. Go Yeah. <laughs> 
This is my command. I'm with you to the world till the end. A Oh, oh, oh. 
every head is bowed, every eye is closed as we pray. Consecrate me to thy service, Lord, by the power of thy grace divine. And let our souls look up with a steadfast hope and our wills be lost in thine. We ask it in the strong and perfect name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And all of God's children said together, Amen. Would you help me to thank God for your pastor and for my friend, my brother, the Reverend Dr. Robert Charles Scott. To all of the preachers who are assembled, to those who make up the leadership and the discipleship of this wonderful congregation, I was hoping that they were not going to tell y'all that me and Freddie Clark had had to switch positions so I could say I look younger and I look better, don't I? What a dear friend he is, and we are praying for him in this season, and uh, I am a firm believer that he that would be a friend must show himself friendly. And so in conversation with your pastor on this past week when he indicated that Dr. Clark could not come what that may mean for his schedule and for the changing of his regimentation. I told him, well, I am on extended vacation just after having celebrated the 25th anniversary, and so I'd be more than willing to come over the weekend, and all you'd have to do is find me a tea time so I could play some golf. (laughs) So I want this morning to hurry up and take my time so that your pastor can fulfill his obligation to me. My second comment would be that it would be worth it to me just to be here to hear this superlative hymn choir and this music ministry. Blessings. Blessings upon them. Most of us who have spent any time in church have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I want to borrow the tail end of that frame our sermonic time together today. Listen to these words that come to us from Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37. These two verses will frame our sermonic time together. Herein lies the word of God. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And I want to preach for the next few moments from the subject, all about the neighbor. This illustration that Jesus uses about the unfortunate man who falls victim to assault leaving Jerusalem along the road to Jericho is really in response to an interesting question a teacher of the law poses to him. Remember, lawyers in Jesus' day were deeply learned scholars. And as a part of their study, the scriptures were also included. Teachers of the law memorized chapters and whole books so that they could interpret the ethical moral demands of human pilgrimage and apply the law faithfully. After dedicating years to preparation, to maturation, to have successfully navigated that kind of academic journey, they earned huge respect from the community, 
and they also were very deeply respected by the clergy. The tension, however, during Jesus's ministry is that these teachers of the law were also unfortunately too closely affiliated with the Pharisees. And together, both groups deeply opposed the ministry and the presence of Jesus. And so one day while Jesus is teaching this crowd, this teacher of the law stands and abruptly, arrogantly addresses him. His question is not really because he's curious for the answer, as if he needs it or seeks it to benefit his own life or to resolve perhaps his internal queries, maybe to settle what he feels are his internal conflicts. This is not why he questions Jesus. He asks him a question simply to test him. And probably more accurate interpretation is that he wants to embarrass Jesus to discredit him. Let's see how this street preacher answers this question. Now, if you would ask me where did this motivation come from amidst the multiplicity of explanations, one of them has to be the toxic jealousy the teachers of the law had. Because of the crowds Jesus had been drawing during the time when Pharisees and teachers of the law are starting to see a diminishment of their own influence in the culture. And if this teacher could bait Jesus into an intellectual trap that would cause conflict for Jesus with the crowds that have been following him so excitedly, maybe we can push him to the periphery of communal influence And if we do that, we can inch our way ever closer to the center again. Here is the question posed to Jesus by the teacher of the law. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Seems like a simple, innocuous question, doesn't it? But it's profound if you strain it through its theological sifter. Inheriting eternal life? That sounds mighty inviting, doesn't it? But inheriting implies that somebody has to die. And then the survivors are able to receive their share of the estate. The teacher of the law wanted to know what he had to do. Did he have to do something significant? Did he think that he was going to live forever? Had he studied the scripture? Because if he had, he knew that God measures the depth of spirituality and the blessings that accompany it based on the human heart. And that human heart must be filled with love for God and love for neighbor. Well, Jesus has stepped over and around theological, philosophical, intellectual debates and traps like this before. He answers with a counter question. Well, sir, what is written in the law you've studied? With that turn of conversation, Jesus just seizes control back of the dialogue as he does with us. You answer your own question to which the teacher knows Jesus is referring to the summary of the Ten Commandments. The lawyer responds to the question. He gives to Jesus the sum, the substance of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And here's his dilemma. And love your neighbor as yourself. And when he finished, Jesus compliments him. Well, you did really good there. So here is your answer. Just go and keep doing that. If eternal life is what you're after, just give yourself to the fulfilling of the law. You have just rehearsed, but this teacher knew he had not been doing that. And then the subtle tension in the text starts because 
Instead of admitting that he sees a deep and wide chasm between what God expects and his attempts to reach for these high and holy virtues, he volleys the conversation back across the net at Jesus, picking out the word neighbor, trying to make himself feel better, trying to avoid blame, trying to sidestep personal responsibility, trying not to expose that he's already guilty, trying to regain some conversational control. He's going to arrogantly say to Jesus, y'all, well, who is my neighbor then? And then the fun begins. Jesus paints this picture for him. This man left Jerusalem, he tells this this teacher, traveling the road to Jericho. But along the way, he's robbed. He is assaulted. He's beaten. He's beaten so bad he's left for dead. Not too long after the assault on this man, the priest comes from church. Refusing to get too close, he walks by without offering his assistance. His robe might become soiled. He's got a reservation at the buffet that afternoon. He... He, he just got finished doing so much church work and offering so many sacrifices. Would stop, could stop, can't stop. Then the Levite, who too was returning from church, noticed that the man was laying there. He may have even seen the priest pass by him. Well, if my pastor ain't going to stop, I'm not stopping either. He too passes by on the other side. A third person traveling the same road that day was a Samaritan merchant. And when he sees the man lying there, he allows it to interrupt his travel, what may have been his intentional agenda. He allows his heart to be drawn in compassion. He gets involved. And boy, does he get involved. He goes into his satchel. He pours wine on the man's wounds as an antiseptic. He applies some olive oil as an ointment. He takes some of the linen from his supply, tears it into strips, binds the man's wounds. He places the assaulted and battered man on his beast of burden, takes him down to the nearby inn where for the rest of that day and throughout the night he cares for him, watches his condition very closely, probably does not sleep himself. The next morning, the Samaritan goes to the innkeeper at the front desk with two silver coins, tells the innkeeper to take care of the man, and I want you to put it on my card, and if the man exceeds what I'm leaving on deposit when I pass back through here again, I'll make sure that I clear up whatever his expense is. Deep overtones in the text, isn't it? First, there was no love lost between the Jew and the Samaritan, yet he stops. He gets deeply involved with that heavy sacrifice. And in addition, the priest and the Levite, who represent the clergy of the day, they were supposed to help people in leaving church. They respond totally opposite of anything they might have heard while they were in church. Wonder what the sermon was on that day. Thirdly, the wounded man is beaten so bad he's not identified. Apparently, he cannot speak. His clothes are stripped. He cannot be used to identify him. He has everything stolen. The story is not about a Jew who found an injured Samaritan along the Jericho Road, for that would mark the Jew as a traitor to the Jewish cause. Jesus is not telling the story about a priest and a Levite who neglected the needs of a wounded Jew because that would damage the relationship between clergy and laity. The story Jesus shares is about a Samaritan who finds an injured Jew and when he sees him, he could have understandably passed by, but he doesn't. And if you want to know why Jesus angles the parable this way, it's because Jesus really only had one point to make. 
It was the most significant point he needs to make. Your treatment of your neighbor is critical in measuring your heart towards God. You want to loosen it up a little more, you could say this. How you treat others in whatever category they live in. However distinguished or however distant, doesn't matter the race, the ethnicity, the economy, the sexual persuasion. How you treat people reveals your motivations to chase holiness, your service to the Lord. Isn't it interesting that no matter how much service that priest and Levite offered when they were in the church, the indictment on them that day has nothing to do with the volume of their worship or the heaviness and weight of their offering. It had everything to do with the fact that after all that shouting, all that church, all that singing, all that smiling, all that talking to your neighbor, when you left church, you passed by an opportunity to extend ministry. So then Jesus asks the life-changing question. It is posed to them that day. It's posed to us this morning of the three men, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, which one was a neighbor to the wounded and robbed man? And that lawyer knew he had to answer it, but he also knew he had backed himself into a corner. What a quagmire he's now in. That lawyer knew he is now in trouble. And since he raised it and he was fighting it, he couldn't frame his mouth to say that it was the Samaritan. So listen to what he says. He says, it was the one who showed mercy. And that was okay, though, because Jesus made his point, didn't he? The story is not about a good Samaritan. It's not about who the neighbor is. It's about mature spirituality being measured by the love and compassion people have towards needy people. It's about how you treat not just somebody, but how do you treat everybody? Not who the neighbor is, but who can God get you? To a spiritual place where you can make space in your life, in the seasons of your life, all about your neighbor and not about you. I preach this to us today because the greatest threat to human progression in my estimation and authentic spirituality is too much focus on the self. I raise this because unfortunately our culture and communities are too anemic. Our ethic is not about how we treat our neighbors. Our ethic is all about how we treat ourselves, our avatar, our social space opinions, our look, our style. I would wager somebody in here today was five minutes from not coming to church because you were worried about how you were going to look. And I was waiting on lunch some months ago and I had been approached by four different individuals who upon approach asked me how I was doing. Hey Rev, how you doing? And before I could frame my lips to tell them because it was a difficult season, difficult week, parents who are ailing and many in the congregation who are slipping way too fast from temporality to eternality and let nobody fool you. Pastoring a large church when you're young seems fun because you attract and beget of your own kind but as you age what starts out as baptism and weddings turns into way too many funerals and hospital visitations. So I was struggling. And when they asked me how I was doing, each one of them individually, I really wanted to leak on them. I wanted to, to stop the faucet 
from its drip and let it pour. I was interrupted, though, by each of the four of them before I could even frame my mouth to respond. And one of them just interrupted me and told me about his wonderful lavish vacation. The other showed me the picture on his phone of his brand new automobile purchase. The third asked me to pray for him because he was facing a health crisis. The fourth wanted me to purchase an auction item for a fundraiser and I indulged each of them and when the fourth walked away I said to the waitress who was serving me, maybe it's me and maybe I missed it, but didn't they ask me how I was doing? Sydney looked at me and said, yeah, Rev, I heard it. They asked you how you were doing. And for the rest of the week, I asked people, I made it my own personal discipline that week as part of my spiritual maturation that everybody I encounter this week, I'm going to ask them how they're doing and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to stare in their face and I'm not going to say anything else. And because I want to really be invested in other people. And so for the rest of that week, everybody I encountered, I asked them, how you doing? And I would get quiet and wait for their response. And it amazed me because we live in a world of such self-interest that most treated my question like it was not even a legitimate one. So I would ask again, no, 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 don't walk away. Look at me. Tell me, really, how are you doing? And the things people shared, the thanks people gave, the appreciation people demonstrated when I asked why I did that, I commented on that day when I most needed an answer. Those who asked me could not for one second make it about me. It had to be only about them. Jesus challenges us today to weigh our spirituality by the offering of our lives to make our exchanges, our interactions, our encounters about our neighbors and not always about ourselves. God demonstrated his love for us by making his life about us. His justice imputed upon Jesus, the penalty of our sin placed upon him, the weight of our guilt, the pardon of our lives, the grace to free us to extended life. It was then and it is now all about us to the degree that God made the sacrifice and refused to distance himself from us because we could not stop building distance between us and him in that while we were yet sinners. Come on, I feel like preaching. Jesus died for us. The Holy Spirit works in us, not for himself or to expose himself. But the Spirit makes it all about us to remind us of what Jesus says to help us to trust the gifts and abilities that God has extended to us. Jesus then wants us to offer this all about our neighbor ethic. To think about what injuries our neighbor carries and what thought our neighbor carries, what needs our neighbor has, what fears our neighbor is fighting, what inspiration our neighbor might need today, what encouragement our neighbor is craving. God made it all about us and he wants us to make it all about others. He blesses us to get what we need so that while the blessing comes to us, we can then be a blessing to somebody else in your exchanges with people. One of the most important 
important questions that can be asked in your spirit is, what are the needs of the people around me that I'm in exchange with today? Why did God wake me up today? It wasn't just to bless me and to elevate me and to progress me. It wasn't just to favor me and anoint me. God woke me up today to make me a blessing to somebody else so I can't spend the day so insular. I have to spend the day in spiritual discernment because even when I don't feel like it, somebody around me needs me to not think about me, but to think about them. Do I have a witness here? Notice in the text, notice in the text very, very quickly, notice the selfless engagements. And by this, I mean the ability to make the sacrifice to slow your life down enough so that others can count. That's the distinction to me in the text, to slow your life down. All three, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, are coming from somewhere, heading to somewhere. Two, from church. The third, we're not told from where, but we know that part of wherever he's coming from included some tension of a cultural nature with how despised he is by Jews. They all have personal agendas, people to whom they perhaps are intimately connected and deeply concerned. I'm sure each one of them had a personal agenda. We know, don't we, that all three are living with internal struggle that comes with just being a human being in a sometimes confusing universe. They all had reasons to pass by. It wasn't a sign to any of the three of them to address this man's unfortunate predicament. And remember, this story is really to help that teacher of the law that Jesus is engaged in conversation with who wants eternal life, but he wants it by skipping over his selfish nature. But despite the path that they are on in the lives they are living, this assaulted man laying on the road in Jericho was a chance to practice compassion. To let what is growing inside breathe by outside exercise. To make intentional withdrawals to create space so that God can fill what may be empty internal supply. You have to steward this, St. Paul, this spiritual discipline of making your life about your neighbor. To accept the people along your path, injured, assaulted, or otherwise, and to make encounters about them, care about who they are, what they are managing, listen to their expressions, pay attention, don't think of your response before they have finished what they've had to say. Come on, I feel it in here. To not be so sensitive to everything said to you. Don't take it so personal what may not be said. Do you know how many times I have thought about responding to somebody who has said something at the side of their neck to me as if their graduate degree was in ignorance, but before I would want to give them a response, I have to remember I ain't sleep with them last night. I don't live with them. I ain't related to them, so apparently their toxicity, they have attached to their lives somewhere else. And wherever they got their drama, I'm not going to let them drag me into it. 
Because I can't imagine waking up and it ain't but seven o'clock in the morning and you already got an attitude. You already responding negatively. You already act like the whole day done worn you out. So instead of me responding to you because I don't like the way you respond to me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to my secret closet and I'm going to pray that the Lord grant you peace that surpasses all human understanding and you ought to thank God that God is a God of grace because I was about to unleash this fury on you and let you feel to me to me to me the strength of the illustration Jesus shares I'm almost done to me the strength of the illustration Jesus shares is not only the fact that the Samaritan stopped he allowed his life to be slowed down enough until he could get involved with his neighbor's needs. But I also want you to notice the overwhelming generosity that flows from this Samaritan. It's what I would coin as a do-whatever-it-takes kind of ethic. His make-it-about-the-man acts of service, his flooding of giving. Look at it. His wine, his oil. His bandages, his donkey. Are y'all listening to me? His money, his time, his care, his pledge. Not to mention the serious investment he makes. He doesn't search the man to see what possessions he has remaining. He doesn't promise the innkeeper that repayment of all additional debt will be on the man's books. Once he recovers, he doesn't put a limit on the credit account. He opens with the innkeeper for the man. Keep the bill open. And when I get back, I'll pay it. He literally is promising to pay for the man's care beyond the man's need perhaps to be there. He makes it all about the stranger. He makes it about the neighbor. Now, I want to pause on a couple of those because he keeps the bill open. Because that's what God has done for us. He doesn't have to pay it later. I'm going to put my credibility on the books and whatever he incurs in debt, I'll pay it when I come back. Somebody in here missed your opportunity despite wearing a mask. You missed your opportunity to shout because you and I have been matriculating through the marketplace all week long and don't think you have not incurred some debts. Because all have sinned, I'm sorry, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he who says that he has no sin is a liar. So you've been incurring debts all week long. And every time your injured self crawled back into the innkeeper's front desk, you were given a fresh key of grace to check into a brand new room full of mercy and And every next morning, you got up, fully recovered, went back out there, and did it all over again. And is there anybody here who can say, the reason I love Jesus is because I'm living off of his account. I 
wish today we lived understanding that need that along with our passion for God and our love for worship and our hunger for the word, that we also had that same passion to exercise our spirituality, our anointing and power in the way we encounter and engage and handle each other with all the stuff that's going on in government, with the vitriolic nature of our exchange on both sides of the government to our, with racism looking like it's going to bleed to anarchy and civil war. It's precisely because many of us can't think about the wounded and the assaulted along the road when trying to ham out everything from an economic package to how we ought to treat strangers to what we ought to do with our border. I don't understand the complexities of immigration, nor do I know the feeling of waking up in a country in which I feel absolutely no future. I don't know what it feels like to wake up where bombs are dropping blocks around you. And then to run to the border only to hear that you're the wrong color and the wrong kind. When vaccinations are discussed and we're talking about boosters and we're moving from COVID to pox and what that may mean for our kids and our community. Again, this third year of trying to wrestle with what it means to go from one pandemic to another. And yet to then sit on a plane and watch people who whether or not you like masks is not my issue. I need you to have enough respect for me that your mask needs to be on your face. It has to be about more than one's personal views. And in this culture, in this community, we idolize. We've almost made a God out of personal view. Well, it's not. There is a higher virtue and it's to live in community, demonstrating love for your neighbor, to love God in a way that makes me love my neighbor. I don't want to hear well, you just have to excuse me because my Myers-Briggs has revealed that I'm just this kind of person. I'm an ABCTSTDJ and because of that, I'm always going to talk abrupt. I'm going to give you exactly how I feel it. No, because when the Lord has saved you, you died to an old man. And you are born again to another, which means you can change your language. You can change your attitude. You can change your disposition. You can change your outlook. You can tame that tongue. And I, if I didn't ask you for your opinion, it doesn't mean you just have to offer it simply because you're that kind of person. If I don't ask for you, don't come for me. I respect your personal view. How you think about your engagements and interactions with others is a reflection of your love for God, a way in which you worship an expression of your praise, a testimony of your discipleship. It gives us a peek at your heart. It's a way to root out an immature spirit. It's a way you honor the grace and mercy that a loving God has bestowed upon you. Let me move to a close. Let me ask you, how much, how much, I'm asking you, Think about it. With your church clothes on. Not 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 your not your yard work clothes. Not not just coming from the gym. No, no, no. I'm talking about the way you are adorned today. You walk out of here, go two, three blocks, and find an ambush assaulted Samaritan on the road. Here's my question. Not would you stop, but how much would you give? I know they might I know they might get three seconds of your cell phone to hit 911. But could they get your wine, your oil, your linen, your coins, your care, your concern, your credit, your time? 
And if some of you say, now, Reverend, I hear you, and I know that's supposed to be my goal. But I ain't there yet. Pray for me. Please be patient with me. God's not through with me yet. But okay, all right, I'm with you. I understand that. So let me ask you the follow-up question. Then what would be your cutoff point? And would there be a distinction if it's family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and where does a stranger fit? And if they're the same in terms of skin having been darkened by nature's sun, do they get more of your generosity? And do they have to be a Democrat or a Republican? Same gender or heterosexual? Or could they be non-binary? And I, I, know, I know what you're asking as I prepare to close. You're asking, Pastor Curtis, with all that giving that Samaritan does, is there, is there no space for us to respond with a rebuttal? Hey, God, I'm human too. Because that's natural. So what is the benefit of being so selfless and sacrificial and centering one's attention on a neighbor? I know it's because it gives me an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else's life. It provides me a chance to honor my sovereign God in ways that are extended beyond my inner disciplines and my public congregational gathering. But what does it benefit me to live my life giving such focus to making others this high a priority when I need myself? Well, the Samaritan teaches us, does he not, that it helps us to not let what happens to us corrupt the God nature in us. Because remember, he comes to this context mistreated and maligned and ignored and stepped around each and every day in the same culture in which he lives and the way he ensures that he doesn't become like the mistreatment he endures is to exercise with others how he would want to be treated if it was him. See, this is my encouragement to my own congregation. I know I don't pastor this one, but I know the heart of your pastor. And this is how I preach to my own congregation. Because in this age of white supremacy and way too much Trumpism, most of us have developed an us versus everybody else mentality. And we want the oppressed to not only move from oppression to a place of power, but we want oppressors to suffer like we have suffered. And I understand that I carry the same rage and anger, but it ain't the kingdom. Because the kingdom's ethic goes like this. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven where there is no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female, no rich, no poor, no Democrat, no Republican, no hetero or same gender. Am I talking to anybody in here? So if you ask me what the reflection of the kingdom is, it is let the wheat and the tares grow together and we stop walking around trying to be wheat inspectors or tear inspectors and instead just enjoy that we've got the grace of God to be in the garden ourselves and pray and praise and work and witness until the gardener comes and when he comes he will do the separating and I'm afraid that when he does the separating some of us going to be shocked because you called somebody a tear because you looked at the outer appearance 
and did not know that the whole time you were entertaining an angel unaware, which is why you got to be careful about how you treat people because you might mistreat somebody thinking that you're giving them what they deserve. But every one of us in this room today ought to reflect in our own minds that we wake up every single day with God not giving us what we deserve. Have I got any company here? So I'm ask you one more time if you stepped out of church today and I'm looking at what you're wearing and you're one finely dressed congregation I like it I wish we had all of our churches who thought on Sunday let me put my best clothes on I know it's dressed down and I ain't got nothing against that but I want to come to church because I'm standing in front of the king and I want to make sure that when I present myself in front of the king that I'm dressed like I understand who I'm standing in front of. So I know you're dressed in your finery but if you walk out of here today and you run across opportunity be willing to risk your hairdo that you just got done yesterday. Be willing to put some dirt on your loafers and helps change somebody's tire. Be willing to get some tire tracks in your clean, crisp, freshly laundered white shirt. Have I got any company here? I know you're wearing your mask, but can you turn to somebody? Look at them in the eye and for a change, instead of saying it's my season and it's my time and it's my blessing and it's my breakthrough can I get somebody to look at your neighbor and tell them I can't wait until I run across somebody so I can make it their time and their season and their blessing can I tell you parenthetically that I get excited when I get to do stuff for people unaware I stopped last week at the grocery store and while I was coming out I decided it was time to fill the tank up Scott and so I walked over and filled my tank up $117 and 13 cents I'll never forget it because I almost passed out but then I looked on the other side at the man who was worried about how much he was going to be able to pump into his tank based upon how high the gas prices are. So I went over and grabbed him by the hand, put my card in the slot and said, fill it up because Jesus is the best thing that ever happened in my life. Now the reason I'm telling you is I don't want you to be impressed with my generosity. I did that because I had to. I told you the story because that man looked at me and said, man, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that? I don't even know you. And I said, let me tell you why. Because when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply, I was staying within. I was sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters, he lifted me, now save him, I, have I got 
got any company here, somebody toss your head back, open your mouth, and thank God that God sent a neighbor at the right time with exactly what you needed, a text message, a phone call, an unexpected visit, a bouquet of flowers, an anonymous card asking you how you doing, can I get 50 people, put those hands together, Toss your head back uh, and thank God that not only uh, has he blessed you, uh, but he's made you a blessing to somebody else. If I can help somebody. If I can cheer somebody with a word or song, then my living Say yeah. Here's the question. Here's the question. The question is not who is the neighbor. The question is who am I as a neighbor? Not who am I helping, but what does my helping or lack thereof say about me? Hands are lifted, heads are elevated. I want you to allow your mind to surrender to a person in your concentric circle of contact who is in your life in this season for a particular need. And whatever face appears, keep it there. Keep it there. And today, instead of telling the Lord about everything you want and need, take a few moments and lift them before the Lord. I know you need blessings and I know you need God to make a way, but make it about them. Because I've learned, brothers and sisters, when I'm so busy focusing on helping my neighbor, God supplies my needs. So make it about them. Pray for them right now. Ask God to bless them too to grow them, to mature them, to protect them, to elevate them, to heal them, to deliver them. And then make a pledge, make a promise that wherever you might fit in God's provision of care to them, that your answer is yes. I'll go where you ask me to go and I'll do what you ask me to do. Then my living. Shall not be in vain. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all of God's children said together, Amen. Come on, turn, tell somebody it's about my neighbor.
How many of y'all were blessed by that word? Come on, I need some folks that know you were blessed by that word. When we think about what Jesus has done when he came here to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, this this sermon um, that he preached challenged all of us at this time. Um, It challenged us to be better. But what I've discovered is you can't do that unless you got the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, Yeah, it it takes something outside of you to do that. Deacons come. I want to to lead you in a prayer. Lead Lead you in a prayer right now. Prayer of new life. A prayer that will help you become a better neighbor. And uh, if this prayer touches you, if this prayer moves you, I want you to make a decision for either Christ or church. For either Christ or church. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Bow your heads and repeat after me. Lord, I want to be better. And I need your spirit in order to do that. I want a relationship with you as Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I accept the gift of eternal life. And I accept the gift of your salvation. Send your Holy Spirit into my life so I can be a better neighbor. I believe. You sent Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe you raised him from the dead. And right now, I accept this precious gift of you. In Jesus' name, I pray this prayer. Amen. Keep those heads bowed just for a moment. Hear me and hear me well. Hear me and hear me well. If you're in the house right now, you just prayed that prayer, you're not sure about where you stand with God, you're not sure about this gift of salvation, or maybe you were baptized some time ago and you're like, eh, I didn't know if it really, if I understood that, but, but I want to be serious about God. I want, I want to be a better person and I need God's spirit in my life. If I'm talking to you right now, I want you to leave this place knowing that you have God as your father, Jesus as your brother, the Holy Spirit as your guide. I want you to know that you have the gift of salvation. If you're in the house right now, And that prayer touched you. That prayer meant you want to make a decision for God. Would you hold up your hand right now? Hold up your hand. 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 If you're in the house right now, you prayed that prayer. You want to make the acceptance as far as God being your God, Jesus Christ being your Savior, the Holy Spirit being your God. Hold up your hand. 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 If you're watching us on the Facebook or on our church website, and that prayer was meant for you, if you would type in salvation in the chat, one of our digital ministers is going to reach out to you, let you know what the next steps are. If you are listening to us on the telephone or you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor, email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your name, a good contact number or information where we can reach out to you 
Somebody's going to reach out to you by 5 o'clock tomorrow and let you know what the next steps are. We want you to know that God loves you immensely and want to be in relationship with you. Amen. 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 Here's my second call. If you're here now, you're saying, Pastor, listen, I know who Jesus Christ is and pardon my sin. I'm saved. I got a relationship with God, but you don't have a church home. And what I've discovered, hear me well, if church is optional for you, it will be unnecessary for your children. Let me say that again. If church connection and attendance is optional for you, it will be unnecessary for your children and your grandchildren. In other words, they would see it as meaningless. I want to change the tide of the culture right now. And I want you to know that if you're in this house, I would love to be your pastor. These men and women would love to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. We would love for you to do life with us as we do life with you. So if you're in the house right now and you don't have a church home or you haven't been going to church or you may have been a part of St. Paul and you've been disconnected and you want to come back home, listen, the door is open. So would you do me a favor if I'm talking to you? You're looking for a place to belong. Would you hold up your hand right now? You're looking for a place to belong. Would you hold up your hand? You're looking for a church home. You're not connected to a church. Would you hold up your hand? Hold up your hand. 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 Amen. Amen. If you're watching us online, if you're watching us online, you can type in connect uh, on Facebook or on our website. When our digital ministers are going to reach out to you or you can... Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube or on the listen to us on telephone, uh, email us at connect at spbcnc.org. Put in connect as far as that email is concerned or call the church office at 704-334-5309. We would love to have you as a part of the St. Paul Baptist Church where we can grow together and become all that God would have for us to be. Amen. 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 Can we give God praise for an incredible worship experience today? Listen, we're getting ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to get out of here. Dr. Curtis will be preaching tomorrow night. Dr. Jerry Carter will be preaching on Tuesday night. They both will close us out on Wednesday night. So we want to invite you to come. Go home real quick. Get you something to eat. Uh, come back here. We're going to start promptly at 7 o'clock. I believe I'm told the hymn choir may tomorrow night do something uh, prior to service. Uh, do um, uh, have a, a pre-musical before service. So you can come and be a part of that as well. Amen. Amen. But we're going to start promptly at 7 o'clock. Amen. We're going to start promptly at 7 o'clock because kids are going back to school. We want to get you out of here by 8.30 at the latest so you can come back. Amen. But um, we're looking forward to the Lord doing an incredible, incredible thing. Can you help me to celebrate our brothers who blessed us with song today? Can you help me to celebrate the hymn choir? So great to hear them in person. Can you help me to celebrate? Can you help me to celebrate Dr. Curtis? Let's give God praise for him. Amen. Thank you, Mark, for blessing us with your gift of music. Uh, Elson, get on that organ if you're in the house. Well, yeah, we're getting ready to get out of here. Go ahead, let's stand. We're going to close out uh, this service. Um, just been, a, been an incredible day. Um, just an incredible day. Continue to lift up your neighbor and do what the Lord would have for you to do. Amen.
Come on, Elson. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Blessings. Praise him, all creatures here below.